0: Today's podcast episode is brought to you by the 5-Day Vendor Master File Cleanup. Do you trust the data in your Vendor Master File? Well, if you have less than 5,000 active vendor records and need to prepare for a vendor self-registration portal or for 1099 and 1042 IRS annual forms distribution, you are in luck. We have vendor validations, including watch list screening, duplicate vendor review, vendor inactivation recommendations, and more. Go to Richardson.com, that's D-E-B-R-A-R-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-S-O-N.com slash consulting, or email me at Deborah, D-E-B-R-A, at DeborahRichardson rrichardson.com for a quote today. So on today's episode, Wilton White of Diversified Robotic is making a return to the podcast with two robotics process automation or RPA use cases. And he also tells you how to avoid bot abandonment. Yes, that is a thing bot abandonment so make sure you stay for that and then make sure you stay through the end since wilton has a special offer for all putting the ap and happy podcast listeners keep listening Welcome to episode 55, Digital Employees in Accounts Payable, Two Use Cases for Robotics Process Automation, or RPA. My guest today is Wilton White, who was a podcast guest back on episode 39, where we talked about robotics process automation. And he is the CEO of Diversify Robotic, a technology company that works with all size businesses but really focuses on small to medium sized businesses leveling the playing field for technology. Welcome back, Wilton. Um, can you talk about your background for those listeners that didn't listen to your first interview on uh, in episode 39 back in July and then talk a little bit about what Diversify Robotic has been up to since then?
1: Well, first of all, Deborah, uh, thank you for inviting me back. It's a pleasure to be uh, speaking with you again. And so, uh, from the last time we spoke, we've been uh, quite busy. Uh, and so, uh, for those of the, who were not part of the uh, listening audience for episode thirty-nine, uh, a little bit about my background: uh, I am an engineer by trade, and I did uh, wireless engineering for close to twenty-five years. Uh, the last several years, I was with. Uh, AT&T, and they trained me on a lot, a lot of different disciplines such as cloud computing, uh, this RPA, um, software-defined networks, and ha- a bunch of disciplines that that are really common in today's world when it comes to technology. Uh, by doing this, I realized that this RPA was a game changer. Um, I became a subject matter expert within AT&T with it. Uh, decided to branch out on my own, and so I went out and. Recruited a couple of engineers that I've worked with throughout the, my past, and we put the business model together uh, and started diversified Robotic. And uh, we've been helping businesses be able to compete uh, by allowing them to actually utilize this technology, uh, but n- removing the cost barrier that most uh, the small and medium sized businesses face when they try to get engineering support for these uh, these new technologies.
0: Yeah, and last time we really went into depth about robotics process automation or RPA and how that technology um, helps streamline like accounts payable tasks by creating what you call digital employees, which I love, or the bots, and they perform those tasks or really even specific steps of a larger process, those things that don't require a decision. So can you just expand on that? And then I know you have a case study or two to share with us today.
1: Sure. So as you mentioned, these digital employees, um, they add value to any organization by allowing the organization to utilize automation in a way that's never been done before. Uh, As you mentioned, there may be steps within a process uh, that a bot can fulfill, Uh, maybe uh, something that is uh, similar to uh, having a a regular employee or assistant that you give assignments to. So it doesn't mean that they have to complete a task from A to Z. Uh, They maybe do A through F and then sends the information to a human and comes back and do P through Z, right? So the thing is the... The tool itself allows for some one one of it is a rapid deployment. You can build these things rather quickly and simply, from the engineering side. It's quickly and simply from the engineering side, uh, but also the impact of it is it allows you to do things you couldn't do before. And we'll get into some of that on, on the use cases. Mm-hmm. I have a couple that um, we were able to come up with that applies to your audience, uh, but when it comes to being able to be utilized. Uh, in the financial services uh, world, they're very prominent, uh, very prominent indeed.
0: So what's the first case study you have?
1: Well, the first case study I have, the the client is a, uh, they create dealerships, they make dealerships for automobiles. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they have uh, these different parts they order from their employees. And they do it through an application called Fleetmatics. Uh, So they create these POs and they order these different tools and parts. A lot of times some of those tools aren't already in the system, so they have to create them and order from a new vendor. So you have all these POs that are generated and all this information, and it has to be put over into their Sage software. And Sage and Fleetmatics don't speak to each other. So this was usually done manually. So what a bot does, it, it checks every 15 minutes to see if there's any new POs generated. It takes all the information and puts it into SAGE. One thing it also does is a lot of times when these PLs are being generated, uh, they may put in what the tax may be according to what they think. So these are, you know, the different um, service assistants putting this tax in. But SAGE actually has the correct tax for uh, each jurisdiction. And so the bot will go and compare it. If it finds out that the Fleetmatics number is wrong, it'll go back and update it. Uh, As these PLs are being processed, the uh, equipment comes on board. Uh, now all of a sudden you have to service the invoice. Invoice comes in, it's getting paid. The bot continues to go back to Fleetmatic's Maddox and uh, make sure it's received in. Uh, and it balances on both sides to make sure that uh, the invoices are closed out and the, uh, all the different reporting is done, uh, giving everybody an update that the invoices have been closed. Uh, they also supplement that with uh, reporting of open invoices. Also, they do another report to find out if there are new tools that are being added to Fleetmatics uh, because they can go and check to see what was added because it's not gonna be in the Sage component. So now they have allowing themselves to actually capture more data that they couldn't capture before because the bots doing the back and forth and they can understand what's missing, what's new and what has to be adjusted. Uh, So it opens up a, a whole level of discussion about no business intelligence. How, how better can we control inventory? How better can we speed up the process? So now these different uh, avenues of understanding come to light because now the, these bots are, are keeping track of everything that's going, going on between the two.
0: So it's not just that you're taking a process that was manual and automating it in the sense that these POs are generated in Fleetmatics and they're not in SAGE. And so you're adding those POs into SAGE. And then you're also tracking when the invoices come in and updating those POs back in um, Fleetmatics. But you're also identifying some intelligence where, you know, those folks that used to manually key in, you know, that PO information, now they can level up and start looking at other aspects of the process and applying some intelligence to that.
1: Absolutely. And that's exactly what's taking place. Uh, when you have the, the bot start to handle one level of mm-hmm. tasks, uh, as you say, you level up and now you can actually use the bot as, again, like your assistant that's doing this work. And you're basically looking at the output of that. And now you're being more of an analytical standpoint of making decisions and managing the bot. Uh, mm-hmm. And so those are the different value propositions you get when you start to add an automation to your, to your networks.
0: And I know you mentioned um, Sage for this particular case study, but it really doesn't matter what accounting system or ERP or, or does it?
1: No. And that's a good point, Deborah. So um, when it comes to RPA, uh, anything in the digital domain, uh, the bot can handle. So whether it's old legacy software, uh, whether it's brand new software, web applications, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, the, if a human can do it on a computer, bot can do it.
0: Digital employee. <laughs> yep. All right. So what about case study two? Uh,
1: case study two is more uh, reporting. Mm-hmm. It's more uh, driven by a, a big construction company in LA. Um, they they handle quite a bit of um, large projects, uh, and they're very keen on getting their reporting mechanisms uh, clearly defined. So of course, when you're dealing with construction, you know every dollar counts and every vendor margin counts. So uh, having this uh, clear reporting helps. They had a system where they were doing this reporting uh, once a week, and then they have it, a big report that was due once a month. Uh, it was a lot of heavy lifting internally by a couple of analysts. Uh, so we had built a bots, uh, a couple, a set of bots to go in and uh, take a look at their crystal reporting, some of the other information it was grabbing from databases, uh, and then also some of the projected numbers they were getting from their project managers, and combining that all together in a manner that was uh, good for them for analysis, uh, and that included, you know, the different uh, POs and invoices that were uh, generated from uh, the different uh, projects that it had going on. So, again. The, the purpose of the bot was to alleviate a lot of this data aggregation and compiling of reports and being able to grab from any domain and then go ahead and format it any way you want to be able to use that as business intelligence.
0: Yeah. And, you know, back when I was a practitioner, you know, when we needed to analyze any information out and I'll use compensating controls for those accounts payable teams that don't have enough team members for segregation of duties. And so there are some compensating controls where you would have to or we would have to go into the system, accounting system or ERP, and we would have to download a couple of different reports because we didn't have custom reports reports in that particular system, and then we had to, you know, download them in Excel, and then we would have to combine both of the reports, and then we would have to review them, and then we would give them to our uh, director at the time, and then they would use that to approve, you know, the, the payment cycle. And so, you know, someone every, you know, every time a pay cycle was run, which I think at that time, we had a couple of them running weekly, had to rerun that report or both reports and then and then do that analysis or formatting of both of those reports and you know make them into one and give them to the director and that was done each time so where i see this could help is just like you said with the reporting that could be a bot where right the bot could go and create the reports and just email them to the director without interference at all from accounts payable employee
1: Absolutely. I mean, you, you described the use case uh, a lot more clearly than I did. That is similar to what this, this bot is doing, mm-hmm. uh, where it's, it's grabbing this data and, uh, and compiling it in a manner where it can be utilized by, uh, by other decision makers. And the, the, the thing about uh, these type of use cases is uh, they show themselves pretty much throughout any organizations and at various levels. Uh, you, whether you're looking at a bot to handle a very simplistic reporting or very complex reporting, or even doing some management of uh, uh, a payroll or, or, um, or payment cycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those different strategies can be at least had added value put upon them with uh, the deployment of a bot.
0: Yeah. So can we talk about uh, something? And You and I were talking offline about this before, and I wanted to bring it up because I know that RPA and the software that's been available to build bots, you know, some accounts payable departments have you know, they have this software. And I did a couple of um, uh, blog posts or podcasts about, you know, RPA software and how to identify what projects that would be eligible for RPA. But I will say that as a practitioner, I was not trained in them, but I was given the opportunity to have an employee trained. And so I went through and identified a long list of what I thought were eligible projects. And they, and they really were, and we'd put a couple couple of them into production, we launched them. And subsequent um, to that, the employee that had originally created the bot, the only one that I had trained, um, left the company. And so that kind of reminded me of back in the day when, and I'll date myself here, but when we all got that access database on Microsoft Office, you know, we created a bunch of databases. And then, you know, we left the company and those databases. Were just there, and so can you talk a little bit about um, how you know your company, if other, if other small businesses, small to medium-sized businesses find themselves in that same scenario, you know how can you help them with these bots that have that have been created, and maybe they break or maybe they don't, but you know they may need maintenance on them either now or in the future. How can you help with that?
1: Yeah, and uh, that's a great question, Deborah, and also that's a very good. Uh, analogy, uh, comparing it to the uh, access databases of old. Um, Well, you're right in the sense that whenever you create a bot, um, it is a technical uh, layer of code, right? And so if no one is there to manage that code, uh, it can break. Uh, Websites change. Applications change. Uh, It's just like if someone built an Excel macro, they they don't know BBA script. If they just did a record and, and stop
0: on mm-hmm. Excel.
1: If it breaks, they're gonna have problems. They don't know how to debug it. So that's the common thing you see in RPA. You see a lot of ones, a lot of companies try to um, self-teach or get a get a person on staff to have RPA. Uh, and that may help in the short term. Uh, but mm-hmm. what we'll find is that uh, they're not having a holistic approach to uh, how they're going to solve that workforce because the digital employee becomes a workforce, right? You need managers, you need operators, you need maintenance people. Right. And so for us, what we did different is uh, I come from a wireless background. And in wireless, we had a, a team called the NOC team, NOC, that stands for Network Operations Center. And they were responsible for all the performance within the network. So let's say there's an outage in, I don't know, Miami, right? Uh, immediately the NOC goes in, whether it's dealing with telco, it's dealing with wireless or satellite, whatever it may be. They have all the different uh, subject matter experts there to be able to solve those problems quickly, right? Quickly and get it, get it back in service quickly. Well, I took that uh, model and I, I built it into my business. So I'm one of a few RPA companies, I don't know of any others that exist, that actually has a knock team. So what that means is once you bring us on board uh, as a vendor of yours, we build these bots at the subscription model. Again, you're paying this low monthly fee. Uh, your bots are being monitored 24 hours a day. So we have a 24 hour uh, monitoring cycle. If anything happens to that bot during that period of time, the knock responds and gets that bot up and running uh, within a matter of minutes. We have right now on our KPI showing, I think we have a, a 99% success rate on bots. Uh, we run about 86,000 a month. Uh, and that 1% when they do break, uh, the knock response, finds out there was a, a change in a website, a password change, or it could be something as uh, as simple as uh, the password change on, on a certain application. And then once it does solve the problem, it's back in order. It makes a change to the code and we notify the, uh, the client that we had to make a change. Uh, but that is, what makes us unique. Uh, you can find yourself, if you're trying to do it uh, through a self-rollout, having that type of uh, abandonment issue, for about abandonment, if them, yeah. something does break. Uh, but here, we're, we're offering a solution where, well, once we build it, we monitor 24 hours a day for you.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really, again, important to note because, you know, you're not just for those businesses or companies that are looking to create a new bot. You also can provide services for those that have abandoned bots as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that allows us to, again, uh, distinguish ourselves in the market because generally RPA is sold as a software where you can have to pay for their developers to come on on site and build for you, where you're paying Mm -hmm. a premium for, or they teach you uh, how to build bots yourself. And then you're reliant on your your staff being able to be maintained in that same position and be able to have a, uh, a managed view of all the bots within your organization. And both of those are, are very short sighted views. uh, Mm -hmm. And we, I, I think combining the 24 hour knock along with the expertise that we have has provided a, a very unique solution to our clients.
0: Yeah. And I think that's particularly important in the accounts payable space because the focus in, you know, that transactional, you know, accounts payable operation is really to get the invoice paid, especially this time of year, because we're going into year end. And so maintenance on a bot is probably not up on that priority list. uh, So I know last time, episode 39, we really talked about what the process was to implement the bot. And so, um, again, I'll encourage any listeners that haven't listened to episode 39 to take a listen to that. It's really some good detailed information. But um, just at a high level, um, Wilton, can you talk about just how long does it take from start to finish and, and what type of model you have?
1: Sure. So we have a very simplistic model. We try to make it easy on the client. Um, so we start off with a, a simple kickoff meeting. It's generally 30, to 30 minutes to an hour. It's mainly a discovery meeting, trying to identify um, opportunities as well as a formal introduction between the two organizations. Uh, and then once we find, identify what we wanna build, uh, we move that to a design meeting. You get on the call with a solution architect. We talk about the specific process. And then we ask you to share your screen and walk us through how that process would normally operate. Uh, once we had a design meeting, uh, we take that video along with some workflow notes, we send it over to our developers. Uh, and then once we get the credentials, whatever else needed to get access, uh, we build that bot. Generally the bot building takes about anywhere from two weeks to two and a half, three weeks for a complex ones, But on average is averaging around two weeks. Uh, after that two week period, uh, we, we circle back with the client. We do a, a demo of the bot. Uh, they, they go ahead and give it the blessing. We go ahead and put it in production. We allow them to uh, have the bot run in our organization for uh, a couple of weeks, generally two weeks. And then after the two-week trial, then they can decide if they want to keep it on. Uh, if they do, we sign a contract for a low subscription cost. If not, we go ahead and, and terminate the bot. Uh, we built that model because we felt that If we took all the liability on ourselves, you know, we're doing a design, we're developing, and we're deploying the bot at at our cost. There's no cost to the customer front. Mm -hmm. It allows us to be able to teach our clients because technology requires uh, educational platform. Uh, You think about anything you're getting on the technology space, you have to learn something. Uh, It's very intricate, and so from the other services that we offer, we felt this was the best way or the gateway to be able to educate our clients how technology could impact their business. So that is the five-step program. We go through a kickoff meeting, a design meeting, then it goes to development, it goes to trial, and then it goes into production once we sign the contract.
0: Yeah. And so it sounds like from kickoff through the two-week trial, you're looking at what a four to six week, depending on the complexity of the bot.
1: Generally it's about three weeks. So we generally we have the kickoff meeting. And once we decide what we want to do, move forward, we usually schedule a design in next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, once the once the trial goes, you're, you're talking about about a five-week period from uh, from kickoff with, to production. Yep.
0: That's absolutely great. So we've got a special promotion for listeners for the Putting the AP in Happy podcast. Wilton, you want to talk about that?
1: Absolutely. So because Deborah is so special to us, we decided to, uh, of course, to, we, we wanted to extend the trial to all her listeners. So uh, we give a two week free trial for uh, all our clients that sign up through uh, our sales agents and through our website. Uh, but the call to action on Deborah's side is uh, actually three weeks. So if they go to uh, a website, a web landing page we created for her, mm-hmm. it's a uh, AP and happy. diversified uh, You can fill out the form there. And if you fill out information, a salesperson will get in touch with you, and then you'll be able to get a three-week trial. So we'll be able to build a bot for you and let it work for three weeks in your organization uh, to see how it impacts your business
0: on behalf of my listeners I thank you for that that extra week is absolutely great. So, we've got the AP and Happy.DiversifiedRobotic.com, and I will put that in the show notes. Um listeners, if you want to go over and sign up for that demo, you can get that kickoff meeting started. So, Wilton, is there anything else you want to uh you want to talk about?
1: You know what? I'm I'm going to do some little uh off here so i told you on we were talking offline that one of my uh uh, childhood schoolmates was listening to your podcast and and heard me on here so i want to go ahead and give her a shout out now (laughs) in case you listen to the next next episode so this was for you tony if you're listening this time
0: (laughs) thanks tony appreciate you being a listener the putting the ap and happy podcast Well, thank you, Wilton. I really appreciate you coming back to the podcast. And again, I thank you for that extra week for our listeners.
1: No problem, Deborah, anytime.
0: So thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 55th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.